Well, a few weeks ago, my oldest son Lawson and I took a big step forward in our relationship. As I introduced him to the 1999 sci-fi film, The Matrix. (laughs) His life, like mine when I first watched it, will now never be the same. It was especially thrilling to see Lawson's eyes widen and his wheels start turning during that scene when Neo is presented with that iconic decision to make. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When Morpheus says to him, you take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. What a memorable scene. And as it continues, Neo does take the red pill, so that along with him, we are then introduced to another world, the real world, actually, the world that is hidden from our eyes. And we realize that people at large have been conditioned by the matrix to go about their lives blissfully unaware of what is really happening. It's a film that raises all sorts of fun and disturbing questions about life and reality. And now I have the joy of getting to have those conversations with my son. And guess what? Today, these conversations are going to spill out into our time together. Because while we might not be living our lives in a computer program, or at least I hope we're not, (laughs) I do believe that we live in a matrix of sorts. A world that blinds us from unseen realities, unknown influences, powers even, that are all working together, combining their forces to dehumanize us and disrupt and damage our life with God. And what we need more than anything else is to take the red pill, to somehow step outside of this matrix so that God can show us what's really going on behind the scenes. And so we can allow him to do his work in our hearts. So track with me for a moment because I believe that something like this is happening in our gospel passage today from Mark chapter 1. These verses represent Mark's introduction of Jesus, which occurs right after Mark creates this charged atmosphere of expectation. You remember when he begins his gospel by quoting from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And after his gospel, after opening his gospel with such a bang, that's when Mark moves to introduce his readers to Jesus. But come to find out, this Jesus doesn't make a grand entrance at all. No, Jesus shows up on the scene as one from this anonymous crowd who is coming out to be baptized by John. And the fact that Jesus comes from Nazareth, as our passage points out, is tantamount to introducing him as being from Nowheresville. I mean, one would expect the hero of our story to be credentialed by a miraculous birth or a solid Jewish genealogy 
things that we see in both the Gospel of Matthew and that of Luke. But no, Mark simply begins our passage today by saying that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Nazareth of Galilee sounds a little like Jackson of Tennessee. (laughs) Nothing much to see here. I mean, these are unknown places where folks get caught up in the normalcy of life, work and family, television and carpooling, school and online shopping. These places represent our comings and our goings, our everyday life, our matrix of mundane activities that keep us from stepping back and looking deeper into reality itself. Mark wants us to know, as we'll see here in a minute, that when Jesus steps out of this world, out of Galilee and into the wilderness, that this is when he takes the red pill, so to speak. This is when Jesus gets to look behind the curtains, or as Mark says, he gets to see the heavens torn apart and another reality comes into view. It's fascinating to me that according to Mark, when Jesus is in the wilderness, he is not depicted as an active agent here, but rather as a passive recipient. Once Jesus places himself out of the matrix, out of his regular routines of Galilee, that's when things start happening to Jesus, as this passage makes clear. Listen to how Mark uses the passive voice to describe all the things that are happening to Jesus. Jesus is baptized by John. The heavens are torn apart before his eyes. The Spirit descends upon him like a dove. A voice from heaven says, you are my son, the beloved. The Spirit drives him further out into the wilderness. He is tested by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and angels attend to his needs. This is quite different from how Matthew and Luke describe Jesus' time in the wilderness. In fact, one commentator I read wouldn't even give this scene in Mark its usual title. Instead of calling it the baptism and temptation of Jesus, he just called it the context of Jesus' ministry. Because in Mark, there is no dialogue between Jesus and John. There's no dialogue between Jesus and And the devil, there are no quotations of Scripture. In fact, as I mentioned, Jesus isn't the subject of any verb when he's in the wilderness, which suggests that Mark is trying to highlight something unique here. That out in the wilderness, away from the matrix, God is enabling Jesus to see beyond the everyday and into another world so that Jesus gains supernatural insight into his calling. He's given a vantage point from which to view his entire ministry. Out there in the wilderness, God is showing Jesus what is really going on behind the scenes. It's a picture of the real world. A picture of Jesus as the chosen one. A picture of supernatural forces at work, of those who will help him and of those who seek to destroy him. A picture of a... a, deep spiritual battle that is going on, the the, the spirit and angels coming to his aid, and at the same time, the Satan and his wild beasts wreaking havoc upon the world. 
In other words, as that commentator argued, this wilderness scene sets the context for Jesus' entire ministry. And we, as the readers of this story, are meant to hold this scene in our minds as we move forward through the narrative so that we're able to see in each and every episode what is going on behind the scenes. And if we had time, which we don't, we could do just that. We could work through the Gospel of Mark in its entirety, tracing what's behind the scenes in each of Jesus' encounters, whether it's Jesus delivering a man from an unclean spirit, or whether it's when he's being transfigured on the mountaintop. There is more going on than meets the eye. Next week, we will see a great example of this as Jesus identifies the actions of Peter with the, with the work of Satan himself. Because Jesus can see what is going on now. There is more to our lives than meets the eye. It's just that we have to step outside of the matrix to see it. And to do that, we have to go out into the wilderness. Well, it's a good thing then that today is the first Sunday in Lent. The start of our Lenten journey. That time of year when we're invited to leave our everyday matrix and step into a 40-day wilderness. We are invited to lay aside some of our regular routines, some of our mundane and everyday activities, and to pick up a few new practices as well. Practices that will only heighten our senses to unseen realities, unknown influences, powers even, that are at work in our lives and in our world. And yes, it would be nice if we could, like Jesus, take a 40-day retreat away from Jackson, maybe find a cabin in the woods, or better yet, a beach house, where we could spend some time, some downtime reflecting upon our lives, taking inventory of our ambitions, reevaluating all of our relationships. But for most of us, that's not practical. How then can we create a wilderness experience so that the veil between the visible and the invisible gets pulled back? That we might be able to see what's really going on in our hearts, in our behaviors, and in our thought patterns. What can we do to place ourselves in the hands of God so that, he, so that we might be acted upon? so that we might be passive recipients of all that God wants to show us. In other words, how can we take the red pill? Well, if you were here Ash Wednesday, then you have already received the specifics of that invitation to the wilderness, that we are invited to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. This is the historically proven and well-trotted route out of Jackson and into the wilderness. This is how we take the red pill and discover just how deep the rabbit hole goes, just how deep our sinful inclinations run just how embedded our daily routines are in the toxic forces of consumerism and nationalism and escapist entertainment. 
And if you really want God to open your eyes to these realities, if you really want to see the matrix for what it is, for how it is hell-bent on dehumanizing you, on undermining your life with God, then you're going to have to take this route. You're going to have to step away from some of your routines and add a few new ones in their place. Not so you can lose a few pounds, not so that you can get in better shape. That's not the point of Lent at all. But rather so God can tear the heavens apart before your eyes and reveal to you how the angels and demons are at work in your life so that you can ultimately lean in to what is really real. Now, you might not think that such a route is that revolutionary. I mean, come on, it's just a wilderness. I mean, you might not think that abstaining from alcohol or taking a break from television or turning off your social media apps or disengaging from your political news feeds. You might not think that this stuff is as dramatic as taking the red pill, but my friends, it is that and more. For in this simple act of fasting from these seemingly mundane activities that make up your everyday life, God will reveal to you more about your soul than you would ever think possible. He will open your eyes to another world. And you might not think that taking on a new spiritual practice every day like centering prayer or praying the examine before you go to bed or trying Lectio Divina or praying morning prayer four days a week or perhaps repeatedly listening to a choir seeing Psalm 51 in Latin. I mean, you might not think that this stuff is as dramatic as taking the red pill. But my friends, it is that and more. For in this simple act of adding new forms of prayer in between the seemingly mundane routines that make up your everyday life, God will reveal to you more about your soul than you would ever think possible. He will open your eyes to another world. And guess what? Your observance of Lent isn't going to be perfect, I promise. There will be a few setbacks some wild beast, you're going to get hungry out there. You'll wonder if anything supernatural is really happening. But stay with it, because a large part of observing Lent is returning back to your practice, even and especially after you mess up or miss a day. Because it's the returning that reminds us that God is always here. He is always waiting, ready to restore and reveal more of himself to you so stay with it because the only way out of the matrix is into the wilderness and the wilderness of Lent is only given to those who actually observe it so what are you going to do you take the blue pill the story ends you wake up in your bed and believe what the world wants you to believe you take the red pill you head out into the wilderness, and God will show you exactly what you need to know. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the season of Lent, and for the opportunity that we have to change our routines and fast from certain activities and take on new practices 
that through these seemingly small things, the heavens will be torn apart and you will reveal to us things in our hearts, things in our lives, in our, in our, in our, in our behaviors, things in our world that we had never seen before so that you can do your work of transforming us so that we can be fully human more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Help us this Lent to be diligent, making our mistakes, yes, but observing this season so that we might go out into the wilderness and thus be changed. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.